O Lord, you have searched me and know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down, and are acquainted with my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me but be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you, and the light is bright as the day, for darkness is light with you. For you have formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame is not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake, and I am still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God! O men of blood, depart from me! They speak against you with malice intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with a complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there is any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. This is the word of the Lord. Go ahead and turn to Psalm 139 if you haven't already. Psalm 139. Can't miss it. It's right after Psalm 138. It's right there. While you're turning there, let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we... We're broken, we're undone, we love darkness, we so often we hate the light and we run from it and we flee from it, God, and you come shining down through your Son and through your Word. Show us your glory. Show us your glory, God. We, we have none other, God. We're just wandering around in the darkness, groping around in the darkness, and we, so often we don't even know it. Show us your glory through your word. Show us your glory through your spirit. We pray this in the glorious name of your Son. Amen. 
Hide and seek. Hide and seek. It's one of the great staples of so many children's uh, childhood growing up. It doesn't matter where you're at. You can be in India, and they're playing hide and go seek. And growing up, in our, uh, when we were growing up, it was the calf shed across the street was the most glorious place to play hide and go seek. So many crevices, so many places of darkness you can hide. And you play hide and go seek even in our house now. Little baby Hadley hasn't quite picked up on it yet. She just stands in the middle of the room with her blanket and passy, and you come in and she goes, surprise, you know. But, but the ones who are a little more devious, well, they're pretty good at it, right? And why are they good at it? Because they know that darkness is the best place to hide. And they go into the darkness and they begin hiding and hiding. And perhaps that's you right now. You know you want to hide and you know the darkness is the best place to hide. Hiding from your past. Hiding from your sins. Hiding from your father because of the shame that you feel. And while all of this is going on, your father, your heavenly father, it comes looking for you. And that's part of the peace you actually have of being in the darkness is that you know your Father is going to be coming for you and He will be looking for you and He will find you. He will always find His children, though they hide in the darkness, though they might flee from Him, He will find them. And every shade of darkness will be uncovered and every child will be found. This is where we're going with this psalm. This is what I hope you're able to, to, to bring home and to cherish this week. Is that God's light, God Himself, God's light, His Son will come and He will find you. Even though you be in the darkness, He will come into the darkness and He will find you. Well, how are we going to look at this? Alright, verses 1-6. through six, We're going to see that God knows you. God knows you. Moving on from the 7 through verses 16, we're going to see that God not only knows you, but God is with you as well. And then finally, you see this glorious result of this, this, this amazing truth in verses 17 through the end. You see that well, it's not just God who knows us, it's not just God who is with us, but our delight is that we know God and that we are with God. So as we begin to look at this psalm here again, we see the tragedy of the psalms. They allure you in, they pull you in, they draw you in with their poetry and with their beauty. And in our bustling lives, and we embark on a psalm, and it invites us to slow down. We're no longer speed reading as you do when you're doing your yearly reading through the Bible and you get to Leviticus and you go, all right, here we go. And he begins speed reading. No, that's not what the Psalms do. They, they, they bring you in. And it's as though they're reading you. And by the end, you're convinced, this is, no, this is my most, this is my favorite song, Psalm. 
I thought it was, you know, Psalm 23, the, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. No, no, but no, it's this one. I thought it was Psalm 119. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. But no. You see this, and now you go, no, this. No, no, it must be this one. It must be this one. As you read this, O Lord, you have searched me and know me. Well, that alone right there is enough to see why David on his deathbed, you get 2 Samuel 23, David's on his deathbed. And he's known as the anointed one, sure, but he is known also then as the sweetest psalmist of Israel. You read this this psalm and you realize why. Let's go into the text here, verses 1 through 6. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind me and before me. You lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. This is the the greatest and also the most dreadful thing, just wrapped up in one truth. That God knows you. First, let's take a look at what the psalmist isn't saying. David's not just writing, Oh Lord, your, your knowledge is beyond comprehension. You know, your magisterial wit is beyond even that of mine. No, that's not what he's saying. That, that has its place. Yes, Lord, you know the stars, you know the heavens you have created, and you know the deep foundations of the earth. But what's bringing us into worship is that David is writing, Oh Lord, you have searched me, and you know me. In Genesis 1, a couple of weeks ago, we were commenting how you just get three words into it, and it's completely beyond our comprehension. In the beginning, God created. We can't even fathom it. You begin to read this psalm. O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. And it's not beyond our comprehension and it doesn't challenge us in that way, but it just brings you to a place of weeping and trembling before God that He would know us and that He would love us. Again, it's the most dreadful and it's the most delightful thing all wrapped up in one truth that all of my pride, all of my failures, all of my weaknesses are there laid bare before God. You guys have your your life verses. Mine is, wretched man that I am, who will save me from this body of death? And there it is, all laid before God. He knows everything about us. When you sit down, when you rise up, every little thing, 
When you lie down, either from exhaustion or slothfulness, it's known to him. When you arise, either to worship or to go back to work, it is known to him. But it's not just the, the external things that God is seeing, as, as, but it's the internal as well. You discern my thoughts from afar. The, the most intimate parts of me, my mind, the thoughts that I have, they are fully known to you, O oh God. Let's be honest, who, who would ever want all of their thoughts to be known? We could have an open mic here for hours and hours. None of you would come up and give us a running commentary of what's actually going on in your head. Connor would be up here stripping the microphone out of your hand saying, Oh, that's enough, that's enough, that's enough. (laughs) And it's fear of men that drives us to, to conceal our most dreadful thoughts, our desires to actually to to go back to addiction. Or our musings about that old boyfriend. Yeah, I wonder where he's at. Or the disdain we have for someone because they might be a little bit socially or economically higher than us. Or that bitterness, that deep bitterness that you have in your pain when you see that your marriage is a complete mess, but theirs seems to be going good. And so you have disdain for them. You would never tell them. You wouldn't even tell your spouse, but you have disdain for them. Every time he takes her hand and she just looks at him and smiles. And you hate it. It's our fear of men that drives us then to conceal these thoughts. So we, we push away accountability. We, we have some friends, but not too close. I'm not going to really be involved in my community group. I'm not going to really open up my heart there. But think about this. If fear of men drives us to not even give them a glint, just a shiver, a shaving of what our true thoughts are, not even a glimmer, because of fear of men. How dreadfully afraid should we be of God who knows all of our thoughts? And if it ends there, my friend, you should be dreadfully afraid. Thankfully, for those who are in Christ, it doesn't. God's knowledge of you doesn't just consume you in all of His wrath, but it showers you with His love. And this dread that you have for God, and this dread that you have for others that you might be found out, well, when you realize that God knows all of you, and He still loves you, brings you to worship because of this, because of this. The only way to be fully loved is to be fully known. You see this in your marriages as well, or other relationships. The degree to which you hold off part of your heart and conceal it, and don't even maybe even let your spouse into that part of your life, well, to that degree, you know you're not really loved. But with God, 
We know that He fully knows us and He fully loves us. And that's what turns our dread then into astonishment and into worship. That He knows all of our thoughts, all of our ways, and all of our words in verse 4. But He still loves you. So then, what, what do you do? Well, there's much to do, but to be honest, it can wait. Just take a moment to cherish this thought that you are fully known by God in a way that nobody in this room can even comprehend who you truly are. And if you are in Christ, and only if you're in Christ, you are fully loved by God. All of your anger, all of your wrath, all of your sin, all of your dreadful addictions that are still in the darkness. And He loves you. So how do we see our text progressing then? It's not just that He knows us and that He knows our thoughts from afar and that He's over here and we're over there, but no, he is, He's with us. Go to verse 7 here. Where shall I go from your Spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? When you don't want to be found out, you want to run. You want to hide. You want to flee from the presence of God. But there's no escaping. There's none. It's, it's like when you're newly married and poor little Rachel, you know, she walks in the house and there I am. You know, goes to bed and there I am. Wakes up and there I am. Goes shopping, there I am. Eats a meal and there I am, you know. And she's crying out with the psalmist here, you know. Is there any way I can flee from your presence? I tell her, sweet Rachel... You didn't make the best of choices, I will admit that. But you didn't make your choice. And here I am. In the, in the same way, it's, it's foolish to flee from God in His own creation. That is, He's holding in His hand. How are you going to flee from Him? We're, we're foolish. But it's what we see our parents doing, isn't it? You see Adam and Eve. They just come, they, they eat the fruit. And there they go. They fled and they hide. Away from the, tr- the tree, stumbling down the alley, diving, diving into the bushes there. But here's the catch. The shame that you have can't be taken away by fleeing from God. It's the shame that's driving you to flee. But it can't be taken away by fleeing and running away. Because it's this very God that you dread who's the only one that can cut you open and heal you and bind you up. He's the only one that can take away your sin. He's the only one that can take away your shame. But we do the same thing that we see Adam and Eve doing. Trying to flee from the presence of God. Diving in the bushes. But there is God just as He was with Adam and Eve. There is God calling to you right now. Where are you? Where are you? You're hiding in the darkness and trying to run. Sure, you got, you got a great veneer of a wonderful Christian life. Congrats. 
God still calling out to you? Where are you? Where are you? Verse 8 here, it says, If I ascend to heaven, and you are there, if I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. The highest of highs and the lowest of lows, these two regions are are vastly different. If I go up in the highest of heavens or down into the place of death, down into Sheol, there, there cannot be any further apart in the Hebraic mind. But there's one thing in common. God is there. God is there in the heights of, the, of pride or the, the lowest of disgrace. God is there. Again, it's this same truth that is both dreadful and comforting at the same time. It's comforting to know that when we are drowning in grief and the darkness is around us, it's nice to know that God is in the sea waiting there with us. But His presence is also dreadful in the same stroke. Because God is so close to you as, you're, as if it's your, your body and your soul and you want to go in the sin and you want to go in the darkness and hide there and do your sin there. But you flee in the darkness and well, well who's there? God's there. So you might as well just be sinning right in front of his face. Because that's what you're doing. You scroll on your phone, look at pornography. You would think, oh, no one sees it. You'd be better off doing it in front of everybody. Because you might as well, you're doing it in front of God who's going to judge you anyways. And you go down to verse 11 and 12. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The light is as bright as the day, for darkness is as a light with you. And you, now you see it again. Once again, as we've been talking about again and again, the light coming into the darkness and pushing it all away. Putting the darkness to death and putting God's glory on the lampstand so that it can shine forevermore. You see, it's impossible to hide from the presence of God even under the cover of darkness. If we go ahead, we can try to, to cover ourselves in darkness. And we think it's the only place that is safe. But as a psalmist says, even though we try to do that, even, even the light around me be night. Saying, even I'm in so much darkness that even the light around me is night. And we run and we run into the darkness. And for many of you, for all of us, this is the story of our lives. Running and hiding, hiding and running. But then the light comes and it begins to break through. For even darkness is not as dark with Him and the night is as bright as the day. For darkness is as a light with you. And Thanks be to God that the light of God has broken into His creation. We've seen this two weeks ago, and again in Genesis 1, that God created the world, and it's chaotic, and it's out there, and it's floating everywhere. But the Spirit is hovering hovering over the waters, 
And in the midst of that chaos, God said, let there be light. Over the darkness, over the deep, over the abyss, in the light of God has come and it has shone into the most helpless of places. Likewise, when the people of God, as Adam was preaching on last week, as the people of God, they themselves are living in darkness. Well, the people who walked in darkness, they have seen a great light. And those who dwell in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. What could it be? The light that has shone, my friends, is Christ. The light that has shown is never you fixing yourself, pulling yourself up, trying to do better next time. That is not the light. The light is only Christ. All of His creation was hiding in darkness. They loved the darkness. Here's the catch. You, you, they loved the darkness, but even if you want to get out of the darkness, you can't do it on yourself. You're in the darkness. You're just going to walk around blind. You need the light to come and to shine upon you is what you need. And that, my friend, is exactly what happened 2,000 years ago. The whole world again was in darkness and they were longing for hope, but the hope has come. The light has come and it was come and he was born as a child. He was born of the Virgin Mary. He was born in Bethlehem and he has come to redeem his people. It's not just humanity, our fellow man, that, that needs to be redeemed. And this is what I, I was talking with Ryan about this earlier. This is what I thought growing up. I grew up in a Lutheran church. It was a fantastic Lutheran church. And we were well acquainted with the fact that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You, Luther, you memorize Luther's catechism and you know we are wretched sinners. All of humanity are wretched sinners. Well, that was, that was okay. I could, I could digest that. That was pretty good. But it wasn't just humanity that were wretched sinners. It was me. Well, you see, that be, that's a different story, is it not? It's not just humanity that needs to be saved, it's... Myself, I need to be saved. It's not just the men and women who are walking in darkness. It's me. I'm the one hiding in darkness. It's not just Adam and Eve who are going, running, and hiding into the bushes. That is me every day, fleeing from the presence of God. This delightful and this dreadful presence of God. And until this truth sinks deep, deep into your heart, You will always look at humanity that needs to be saved. And you will always see their sin. And never your own. And conversely, you will always see the grace of God applied to them. But you will never see the grace of God and the forgiveness of God applied to yourself. And you will see the light of God come upon them. But you will never see the light of God come upon you until you realize that, God, it is me. I am the one in the darkness. I'm the one fleeing from you. So then you begin to see this transformation, if you will, in in this psalmist here. And he was aghast at how well he 
God knew him, and he tried to flee, but then he realizes it's, it's of no use. I can hide in the darkness, but even, even God, you were there. Then his heart was changed, and you see that David's desire, his revelation, or his comfort is that he is actually with God. It's not just that God is with him, but that he is with God. And so here's the, ind- the indication of a changed heart. He's not making excuses anymore. He's done running away from God. He's done telling himself that I'm going to try harder next time. I'm going to try harder next time. No, the changed heart just begins and speaks of the wonder and the glory of God. Look in verse 17. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. You know my thoughts are from afar, but God, you. How precious are your thoughts to me, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I could count them, they are more than the sand. I awake, and I am still with you. Let this be your response to God right now. Right now. I think there's been enough running, running into the darkness, running away from God, but come to Him with a clean heart, with an open heart. And go down to verse 23. Come to God and let this be your prayer. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Which, if you're apart from Christ, is a dreadful thing. The only way you can pray that with any confidence is in Christ. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Because you see, there is only one way to the everlasting life, to the everlasting light, and that is through Christ. Christ Jesus, who was, that we were going to sing of very shortly, Christ Jesus, who was born in Bethlehem, Christ Jesus, who was raised in Nazareth, Christ Jesus, who ministered in Galilee and then went off to Calvary, who took the darkness upon Himself. This is the most beautiful thing, my friends. He took the darkness upon Himself that you may have eternal life and eternal light in Him. Oh, sing a song of Calvary, they write. Oh, sing a song of Calvary. It's glory and dismay of Him who hung upon a tree and took our sins away. For he who died in Calvary is risen from the grave, and Christ our Lord, by heaven adored, is mighty now to save. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, let your light shine upon us As we come to your table to feast on your Son and his finished work, God, let your light shine upon us. Expose the deep sin within us, God. Let us hide it no longer, but let us open it up that you can dig it out and cut it out and put it to death. 
God, if we're running from people, if we're running from our spouses or other relationships, let us be open and confess that with them. Restore our love and our fellowship with you to such a degree that it will naturally overflow throughout this church. That those in the darkness around us will see your great light through your love and your work shining through us. Amen. Amen.